Thanks so much for listening today. We hope that through this message, you are being filled with the grace and hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. If this message and ministry has made an impact on you in any way, be sure to let us know about it by emailing us at mystory@thefuelchurch.com. And even if you couldn't be here in person, be sure to check in with us on Instagram and Facebook to let us and others know that you are listening and growing with us here at Fuel Church. Every month through these check-ins, we are making a global difference. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Father, thank you so much for the honor of being here at Fuel Church. Megan and I really do count it an honor to have a small, very small, pebble small part of this great church that you're building. Holy Spirit, I invite you in this place. You would not be grieved. You would not be offended. I give you complete reign and authority. Holy Spirit, I ask you to articulate the Father's heart through my voice to your people. I pray that every ear is open, every heart is open, every mind is open to receive that which you have for us. So I ask you to invade this space. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by your spirit, says the Lord. Not my will. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your will be done in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, So I'm originally from Chicago, born and bred. I grew up on the south side of Chicago uh, in a a, a, um, Chicago Housing Authority project called Argyle Gardens. My grandmother raised nine kids on welfare as a single mom. She did the best she could with what she had, and uh, she, my grandma was a hustler. I mean, that's about the greatest way I can explain who my grandma was. Uh, My grandma died at 72 years old, never having a driver's license. We took public transportation and bomb rides off people. My grandma was such a hustler, she would bomb a ride off you and you would pay her gas money. (laughs) But my grandma was a survivor. Uh, She's a single mom, but when I was 10 months old, my mother was murdered at the age of 17. So my mom had my brother at 14, had me at 16. She was shot in the head at 17. I've never met my father. I don't know who he is. My family don't know who he is. My uncle was in a gang. He was murdered, shot in the head at 17. My aunt was in a domestic violent relationship. Her boyfriend murdered her at 28. And I had another aunt that died at 15 from a brain tumor from asbestos in the projects. So my grandmother raised nine babies. Four died. She raised nine grandbabies on welfare in the projects. So I grew up with a huge question mark on top of my head of who am I, why am I here? I did not understand why life happened to me the way it did, and so I completely rebelled. My grandmother had one rule in our house, and it was this. I don't care what you do between 8 and 3.30, just don't come home. <laughs> no one in my family went to high school. Nobody went to college. So after raising 18, come on, somebody, 18 kids, school hours was vacation. Come on, somebody. And so there was two reasons why I went to school. Number one, I got a free meal. I was on a hot lunch plan. I knew if I went to school that day, I would eat. Because there were times I would come home where I'm hustling, eating syrup sandwiches, sugar sandwiches, literally trying to survive. I sat in the back of my class on purpose because I would steal kids' lunches out their book bags so I could have food to eat after school. No, that's for real. And um, my desk sat next to the teachers. I was a kid that was suspended. I was a kid that was always in trouble. I was in a gang by 11, and I was selling crack cocaine by the age of 14. No vision, no, I didn't know what life was about. I just survived. Uh, Made it to high school by a miracle. I was a four-year starter in high school. My high school was 2,500 kids, and I was the man. No free, I was the man. 
I could do whatever I wanted with whoever I wanted, however I wanted. I was signing autographs after school, turned by King, homecoming court, prom court. I was voted the most athletic out of my class. I was the most popular kid in my school, but I was broken because nobody told me at the end of popularity was emptiness. Couldn't drink enough, couldn't smoke enough, couldn't sleep around enough. Every void I tried to fill in my life by doing stuff, the void got bigger. And I didn't understand it because everybody said, go get drunk. You dealing with something, let's go smoke. I come off being high, none of my problems changed. I come off being drunk, and none of my problems changed. And I remember at 18 years old with this thought in my mind, if this is what life is about, I'm, I'm going to be bored. I did it all, and I didn't understand. So I was balling out. I did well on the court. Um, I had schools looking at me all over the country, but I ended up scoring a 14 on my ACT. How many think you can go to college with a 14 raise your hand? You better not raise your hand. You chilling with me at the community college. Ain't nothing wrong with the community college. I'm just saying that wasn't my plan. But if you don't put in the work, come on, somebody, you'll never get the success. And so now all the schools that were looking at me turned their back on me. I ended up taking a scholarship to a community college. I played one year of basketball there. And when I was 19 years old, I had an encounter with Jesus that changed my life. And it came through my first cousin. He was the leader of a gang in our neighborhood. He had nearly 300 kids under his authority. They carried dope for him, guns for him. Whatever he told them to do, they did. He meets this girl, walks her home. Her dad locks him in the living room, preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ to him. He builds a relationship, and his life changes. And I watched it. He set me down, told me the gospel of Jesus Christ. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. My life was changed upside down. I finished at that community college with an associate's degree, transferred to a four-year university, got my bachelor's and master's degree. I'm the first ever in my family to attend college, first to have a salary job. I mean, I can keep going down the line at first. Come on. And now my wife and I serve full-time as a team chaplain to the Cincinnati Bengals. That's bananas. How does a nappy-headed kid from the projects, no parents, no future, end up serving the most influential people on the planet? But God. Come on. I met my beautiful wife in college. We'll be married 11 years this July. I got four beautiful kids, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> but I want to, my heart today is to provoke you to righteousness. I feel like I'm on assignment today to solidify part of the vision of this church. If I can lend a title to this message, it would be the silent servant. The silent servant. There's a few people in history that you may have never heard of, but changed society. Let me give you a couple. How many of you ever heard of Ermel Ernie Frey's? I ain't think so. That brother invented the soda, come on, the soda can pop tab. Oh, let me keep going. I'm about to preach. How many of you ever heard of Alfred Fielding and Mark Sevenes? While trying to design a plastic wallpaper, by accident, they realized that what they designed would be great packaging material. It was bubble wrap. Their annual revenue is $8 billion. They have 26,300 employees in over 175 countries. When was the last time you seen a Netflix documentary on them brothers? <laughs> have you ever heard of John Walker? 
doing experiments, Walker, who was a chemist, inadvertently created a paste that would burst into flames when scratched against a rough surface. He started selling matches. In 1824, how many of you heard of that brother? Silent influencers that's changed society. Come on. What about Stephanie Kolick? One of the most notable women inventors, Stephanie is responsible for the invention of Kevlar in 1965. The synthetic fiber used in bulletproof vests. Kevlar is said to be five times stronger than steel. We just celebrated Memorial Day. Come on. How many soldiers have survived because of this woman's ability to give her talent to the world? Silent influence. There's no movies, no documentaries, come on, no Facebook posts. Under the radar, changing the world. Come on, somebody. There are silent servants all through the scriptures. Remember Genesis 22, Abraham took two young men to offer Isaac. We don't know where they're from. We don't know their names. They assisted in the greatest act outside of the sacrifice of Jesus. If Abraham did not raise that blade, Jesus could not come. He knew he was acting out prophecy. And that's why it was a ram cult and not a lamb. Oh, I'm about to preach. What about the silent servant who went with Isaac to find a bride? We don't know where he's from. We don't know his name. He assisted, come on, in the promised child receiving his bride. What about Isaac's servants who dug well and found water? Isaac is dying. His family need water. We get these two servants looking for water. They found water. What does water represent in the Bible? Life. Come on, somebody. It's quiet in this room. What about in Exodus chapter 2, the daughter of Pharaoh? All we know is she saw this little basket with some baby crying, and come on, somebody, she went and got him, the deliverer of God's people. Guess who's in the lineage of all these people? Our Savior. The silent servants, the no name, not posting on Facebook, saying everything we're doing changed the world. Come on. But I want to talk about somebody specifically in the New Testament who I believe is the greatest silent servant written in Scripture. He don't got a book. Come on, somebody. There's not a chapter. He's only mentioned five times in the Bible. And his name is, in the Greek, Tychicus. But I'm from the projects. So I called his brother Tychicus. Come on. I mean, I had a Tyrone. Come on, somebody. Tychicus. Come on. Let's talk a little bit about Tychicus. In Acts 20, verse uh, 2 through 4, it says, Now we had gone over the region, talking about Paul, and encouraged them in many words. He came to Greece and stayed three months. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And Sopater of Berea accompanied him to Asia, also Aristarchus, Secondus of the Thessalonians and Gaius and Debris and Timothy and Tychicus. Now, Timothy got a book. Paul, on his first journey, took this brother named Tychicus, helping Paul. Ephesians, I'm just going to give you five times and I'm going to give you three points and let y'all go. Come on, somebody. In Ephesians 6, 21, 22, but that you also may know of my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus. Come on. 
Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul had to write letters hundreds of miles of churches apart in some cases, and he needed someone dependable to get it to them. And this brother is written in the Bible. Tychicus, the silent servant. Listen to what Paul said. Oh my gosh, I love this. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, would make all things known to you. We can't even read Ephesians if Tychicus don't send it. Oh my gosh. Come on, Field Church. He says, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. 2 Timothy 4.12, and Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Just confirm the letter. Let me just hurry up. Titus 3.12, when I send Artemis to you or Tychicus, be diligent to come to me in Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Oh, this is good. In the last scripture, this is what I want to focus on. Colossians 4, 7 through 8. Now, we don't know much about Tychicus. I spent hours researching this dude. Hours. I looked through every commentary. I mean, I done read everything. This brother, we don't know this brother. I did find this out, which was intriguing. The Greek word for Tychicus is not a name in the Greek. It's not even a name. Catch this. We don't even know if this is his real brother's name. What would happen was when, the, when Rome would find out that the Christians were sending letters, they would steal the letters and kill the servants. So what if he changed his name? When you be going, born again, you know you get a new name. See, the reason why you got to be a church that serves because the old you can't do what God destined this church to do. The moment you walk through the door, you got to brush off the old you. Come on, the moment you enter the community, it has nothing to do with you. There are people relying on what's in you. That's why you serve. Come on, somebody. So we don't even know this, brother, but we know his hand is all through the influence of the New Testament church. Come on, he don't got a book. He don't even got a chapter. He's mentioned in five verses. But he helped shape the whole New Testament. What is in you to help shape the city of Kokomo? It don't start with your name being on the front of the building. It starts with his name written on your heart. Come on, church. Can I provoke you this morning? But we, Paul in Colossians told us a few things about Tychicus. Come on, we can read about Paul. We know their story. We can, we can research Matthew, Paul, even James, even Jude. But Paul gives us some insight to the heart of Tychicus. And this is what he says in Colossians 4, 7, and 8. Tychicus, a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. Come on. We'll tell you all the news about me. I am, I am sending him to you for this very purpose. Look at his calling. Look at his calling. That he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. So I'm going to give you three keys. And it might be four because you're four years old. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and becoming a silent servant. See, this is the challenge for the church today. We are in a social media generation. Information comes faster almost than the speed of light. Back, like, I, we work with NFL players. Like, in the 90s, it would take about three weeks before something came out about a player. It takes about 60 seconds. Come on, somebody. 
information is coming at you so fast. And we got this urge to want to tell everybody. What if God is challenging fuel church to be an under-the-radar church? That you like the stealth bombers. Come on, you like the Navy SEAL. You get in, handle business, and get out. Come on, somebody. That's what Tychakis was. He would deliver a letter. He didn't preach a sermon. Come on, he wasn't standing in front. He wasn't like Peter. He wasn't a loud mouth. Come on, somebody. He was a silent servant. And look at his character. Now, the scripture says in Hebrews 6, 12, that you do not become sluggish. He gave us the answer on not becoming sluggish in our faith. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You you dealing with being sluggish? Look at somebody in life and imitate what they're doing. That's what we're going to do about Tychakis this morning. Come on, somebody. Are y'all with me? Three keys to becoming a silent servant. Paul said that Tychakis was a beloved brother. That word beloved in the Greek means esteemed, dear, favorite, and worthy of love. This was a common expression among the early church. They genuinely cared and loved one another. Could you imagine if this city could see a church who genuinely love each other? No haters. Come on. No backbiting. No gossiping. What if you can display a servant heart of love to this community? It'll change this whole city. That's what make this coming weekend or that serve weekend so powerful. 40 different churches. Do you know what that says to the world? When you in unity, can't nothing stop you. You know what division is? Two visions. Division. God has given us one vision. Come on. One kingdom. One God. One spirit. Come on. Are y'all with me? Are we a beloved church? This was especially a common trait for the apostle Paul. Paul wrote this all through his letters. Romans 16, 8, 1 Corinthians 10, 14, Philippians 4, 1, 1 Thessalonians 1, 14, Colossians 4, 14. You want me to keep going? Even James wrote about it. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. 1 John, he wrote about it, 4, 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. When was the last time you just esteemed somebody? Come on, held them in honor. Man, that's a silent servant. That's what servants do. When you go to the, come on, somebody, the neighborhoods, nobody want to go to. When you go to the facilities, nobody want to serve at. Come on, when you esteem them, these seats will be full of crackheads, dope dealers, prostitutes. Come on, alcoholics. Where else they going to go? The church ain't for you. You in somebody's seat. They ain't your seat. Come on. That's little Ray Ray's seat. Come on, that's Miss Kathy's seat. Come on, somebody. Why? Because Miss Kathy is hurting as a single mom, doing the best she can with what she has. If she needs hope, you in her seat. Get out Miss Kathy's seat. Come on, what about Derek, who's been addicted to alcohol for 25 years? Get out his seat. The greatest thing you could do is lay down your life for another. Jesus got out of his seat, got on his knees, and washed some feet. That wasn't his seat. I have come to serve. Come on, church. My beloved brother, my beloved, the belo- we got to love each other. We got to become the beloved. Jesus will never hold us to a standard that he did not live himself. Come on, everything Jesus teaches us to do, he lived. 
the Son of God left eternity. God himself, Emmanuel, we just sing it. God with us, got on his knees and washed some stinky feet. You mean how dirty and dusty it is? Come on, in Jerusalem. These dudes' feet was nasty. They don't even account all the coins that made it. Been. Come on, somebody. On his knees. He didn't stand up. On his knees. Come on. What are we doing to serve this city? We can't make it about us. Because whatever you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. You want some doors of favor to open in your life? Someone else, show someone else favor. You want somebody to do something for you? Do something for someone else. Come on. You want to be a church that lasts for the next 100 years? This is the foundation you got to serve. How would they know? Come on. We will love them. It's quiet in this church. Beloved brethren, I love this. Even Jude got in on the action. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. What was the second characteristic of Tychicus, the silent servant? The Bible says that he was a faithful minister. Faithful minister. That word faithful means trustworthy, reliable, dependable, true, and unfailing. Paul is in prison. He can't go nowhere. The brother locked up. He's pinning his heart. The letters we read today, Paul wrote in prison. He needed these letters to get to the church. He just couldn't call anybody. He needed somebody that was dependable and trustworthy. And this brother sitting in prison, he signed in Jesus' name and he said, who will I send? Get me Tychicus. He is a faithful minister. Come on, somebody. Faithful, trustworthy, reliable, dependable, true and unfailing. Minister is the Greek word. Catch this. One who executes the commands of another, especially of a master, and one who executes those commands at a high level and do it top notch. Come on, somebody. He executed the commands of Paul. Paul got the commands from Christ. Come on, somebody. You got to learn how to submit your life to someone else. Paul didn't do everything right. Come on, somebody. We can read through Paul. Come on. You know how I know the Bible real? Because I would never list my weaknesses for hundreds of millions of people to read. Come on, somebody. Come on. David, David, brother, you bold. That's how you know the Bible real. Because none of us will pin our weaknesses. Come on, somebody. We'll put some on Facebook two minutes later. I got to delete that. <laughs> no, I got I to delete that tweet. Not these brothers. They pinned their weaknesses. Why? To give us hope. So catch this. Tychicus knew Paul wasn't perfect. But he served them anyway. Stop looking at the weaknesses of those you serve. It's not about what's been done right. It's not about doing it right all the time. It's about not quitting. Why? Because the promise is only to the overcomer. 
to him who overcomes, the whole book of Revelation, first read, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. It doesn't say to him who does everything perfect. And stop holding people to a standard you can't even live yourself. It's amazing we look at the weaknesses of leaders knowing we got issues. Come on. I believe I read a translation. Uh, Jesus said, before you complain about somebody's toothpick in their eye, take the four by four out yours. Come on, church. Ty Cockers knew Paul wasn't perfect, and he served him anyway. What about us? No, we'll read a post. Come on. We have, pa- we have opinions about pastors we don't even know. Never seen them a day in our life. Instead of, when I read, and me and Jake talk about this. When we see those things, first thing in, in my heart is to pray for them. That's all I got. That's all I got. I just spent 40 minutes on a FaceTime call with a prominent pastor. If I say his name, you all would know him. Some things that came up. My job isn't to judge. Come on. My job is to serve. Come on, our team. You know how humbling it is to serve people who got everything? We missionaries. We got to raise our support to serve millionaires. Does that even make sense? My wife throw baby showers, wedding showers. Come on. And we put up the cost. Why? Because everybody that comes in their life comes like this. When we enter their life, we come like this. Babe, what's the motto of our ministry? What's our philosophy? The Crawfords are givers. We're here to serve. We don't want nothing from you. We want to get something to you. I believe that's the heart of Field Church. We don't want nothing from Kokomo. We want to get something to Kokomo. Because what you bring to the table, God would always multiply. Because it ain't you anyway. Your swag ain't that deep. You ain't that cute. It better be about him or it ain't going to turn out right. Come on. It's quiet in this Catholic church. (laughs) He was a faithful minister. The Bible says in Hebrews 3, 2, Moses was faithful in all his house. Luke 16, 10, he that, come on, he who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. I can't wait to meet Tychicus when we get to heaven. I can't wait to meet that, bro. I'm like, first of all, what's your real name, bro? Because you remind me of a brother named Tyrone. With two Tycockers, right? Proverbs 20, verse 6. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Is that not Facebook? Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? God is looking for faithful servants. Not one, come on, one foot in, you put your one foot out. No. God wants both feet. He don't care if you wear size three or 13. Come on, somebody. If you give him your heart, he'll take your life. He could do something with you. He's been in a life-changing business for thousands of years. And he's good at it. That brother know what he's doing. Just surrender. That's it. He'll do the rest. Well, you don't know what I've done. No, you don't know what I've done. For me to be standing here, it's called a miracle. You can never say you never witnessed a miracle. I didn't even tell you my mother was a prostitute. 
That's why my family don't know who my dad is. You don't think I grew up with a question mark on my head? You never thought I dealt with thoughts of being an accident? You never thought, never thought, I thought of suicide when I was a kid. Who comes into the world not knowing where they come from? Until I found a place where it was written. I have formed you in your mother's womb. Come on. He formed you. It don't matter how you got here. It only matters how you finish. Come on. Almost done, almost done. Number three, Paul said he was a, not only a faithful servant or minister. Minister means servant. The Bible says he was also a fellow servant in the Lord. That word fellow is the Greek word slave. A black man talking about slavery. Tell me that ain't ironic. <laughs> Catch this. In the Greek, that word fellow servant means a fellow slave who serves the same master with one another. You know why the world needs to see few church love each other? Because when they do, they can see our master. See, it's one thing to talk about Jesus. It's a whole other thing to live him. See, salvation is not an event. Salvation is a person. See, I know when you've encountered the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of the National Geographic channel. I know you've encountered the Jesus of the Bible because you love one another. Isn't that what John said? Isn't that what Jesus said? He prayed that in John. Come on, church. We are the forerunners to kill racism. No law can do that. It's the hard issue. And it's only one way to change the heart. A man must be born again. Must be born again. What would happen if the church, fuel church, stood as the forerunners of racial reconciliation? What would happen if we spent more time praying together across denominational lines instead of judging one another? What if we actually became fellow servants in the Lord? There was a great theologian a couple hundred, few hundred years ago that said these words. He said, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. There should be something illuminating out of you that's so contagious. I'll end with this story. My cousin who led me to the Lord right before I accepted Christ, he invited me to a small group. And it's like 25 people in this house. First of all, I was in the suburbs. We left the city. We keep driving. I'm like, bro, where are we going? You setting me up? We pull up to this big old house. Come on from the projects. Come on, somebody. I'm like, dang, these people balling. Walk in. They got snacks. You know what I mean? You know, I ain't eat, so I was starving. I about ate everything. I couldn't even speak to people. My mouth was full of food, like, all the whole time. So we finally sit down, and they... They start worshiping. I ain't get up. I'm just sitting. And then this thought came to my mind. And as they worshiping, I'm seeing people smiling and, you know, putting their hands up. And I'm just sitting there with this smug look. Thank God for my wife. I got a natural rough look. She's softened me over the years. Come on, somebody. I've been through some stuff. But everybody, they did the last song. Everybody sat down. As soon as everybody sat down, my hand shot up. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
I got one question. You know, the leader like, sure, yeah, what is it? I said, ma'am, I got one question. Why y'all so happy? There was not one sermon preached. I saw the joy of the Lord in them. When people look at you, what do they see? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what? Maybe you don't have that joy. Maybe you don't have a new heart. Maybe you haven't been born again. I just want to give you that opportunity. The Bible says if you confess the Lord Jesus with your heart, you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. The Bible says you'll be saved. What do I need to be saved from? Number one, you need to be saved from yourself. Number two, you need to be saved. Come on, somebody. From eternal separation from God. The Bible says that you must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. I'm not going to front you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to include you in a prayer. You say you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and you want to do that this morning. I'm just going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to be bold to slip your hand up. If you ain't going to be bold in here, you ain't going to be bold out there. We love you in here. So if you're here, you say, I've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. You want to do so this morning. I just want to pray with you. I'm going to simply count to three. Just slip your hand up. Be bold. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? No shame. No guilt. We love you. Be bold. Anyone else? You say you want to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. For those who raised their hand, I need you to pray this with your heart. Everyone else who didn't, I need you to pray this with me as a family. Let's all pray this together. Say, Father in heaven, I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ came to the earth. He died for my sins. He was put on a cross. He was then in the grave. Yet he rose again on the third day for me. Father, forgive me. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Once again, thanks for joining us for this week's message. If you would like to know more about us, be sure to visit us at thefuelchurch.com. It's also here where if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can click on the online giving tab. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And we hope and pray you have a blessed week.